Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff. I just want to give a quick message before we start the show. Filmwax Radio just launched a Patreon account. You can find it by going to patreon.com slash filmwaxradio or just go to Patreon and search Filmwax. It'll come right up. Rewards start at $3 a month. You know, it's taken uh, 10 years for me to get this together. And I'm finally, if you're a regular listener of this show or you love to support independent film and shows like mine, which are an extension of that, please consider contributing. The amount of time and resources required to do a show like this, plus the YouTube show, is extensive, far more than you might might think. And so, like a lot of other people, I'm just sort of saying, if you want to show your love for the show, I would appreciate it. And there's all sorts of wonderful, wonderful rewards. Of course, additional content that nobody else is going to see or hear, and much, much more. If you just, again, visit patreon.com slash filmwaxradio and consider it. That's all I'm asking. Thank you very much. And now, on to the show. It's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It's Friday, May 28, 2021, and you're listening to episode 670 of the podcast. And my one and only guest on this episode is my friend and uh, Film Wax friend, too, meaning uh, he's returning to the show for his second visit, is author and academic Noah Eisenberg. He was on a few years ago with his last book, which was called We'll Always Have Casablanca, The Life, Legend, and Afterlife of Hollywood's Most Beloved Movie. And he's back today with a brand new book that recently came out called Billy Wilder on Assignment Dispatches from Weimar Berlin and Interwar Vienna. And he wrote it and edited it and wrote the introduction, but it's translated because uh, it's basically a, a collection of some of the articles that Billy Wilder wrote before he came to America and before he 
got to Hollywood, uh, where he directed movies such as Sunset Boulevard and Some Like It Hot. He, little few, don't, many don't know that he worked as a freelance reporter, first in Vienna and then in Weimar, Berlin. The collection Billy Wilder on Assignment offers fresh insights into the creative mind of one of Hollywood's most revered writer-directors. The book is available from Princeton University Press. Here back on the show, author Noah Eisenberg, here only on Film Wax Radio. Yes, I understand that every life must end uh-huh. As we sit alone, I know someday we must go uh-huh. Oh, I'm a lucky man to count on both hands Hi there, you. Long time no see. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. How about yourself? Yeah. So are you speaking to me from your apartment in Park Slope? No, I'm not in Park Slope. I moved. We were I just blocked. We were just blocks from one another. I think. Where are you now? Yeah, I was. I walked over to your. Yeah, I remember. Did we discuss Ulmer? Or was it Casablanca? I can't remember. Casablanca. Okay, we're going Casablanca. Okay. What was the okay. other book? Oh, I did this critical biography of Edgar G. Ulmer years ago. Oh, 20, sure. Oh, 2014. I, I couldn't remember whether we spoke about that one too. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if what what year it was then. What year did you did you? Yeah, Casablanca was 2017. Oh, okay. So Homer was 2014. I can't believe it's that recent. It feels like a really long time for some reason. I usually have the opposite response, but it feels like way too long since I've seen you. Or, or yeah. So, and and which which neighborhood where are you now? Well, I'm not even in Brooklyn. I'm not even in New York City. I am in the Hudson Valley. Nice. A lot of, yeah, you, you and a lot of folks. I know, I know. This was okay. the, uh, okay. when we that was the last. one. Okay. And now. And have you uprooted for the Hudson? Is this like a permanent? Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. There are some good changes that have come about during these otherwise horrific times. So I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I'm glad to see you've been busy on such a great project, you know, Noah. It's, uh, thank you. And, and I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, oh, this, this is, there's a through line here, especially, I mean, I don't know Ulmer's story, but I assume he was an immigrant. He was. From, yeah, was he from he, Eastern he, Europe? He, or? he co-directed uh, People on Sunday, one of, one of Billy Wilder's first uh, credits ah. as a screenwriter, yeah. Was he, uh, right. And was he... Um, was Mac and Ulmer were the two credited directors on that picture. Was he from Germany no, or he Austria? Liked, like, very much like Wilder. Hungary? He, yeah, Austro-Hungary. So, so, so from the provinces, but, but, but like Wilder and Zinnemann and Preminger right. and all of them, they Peter all Laurie, declared, they're actors they in all declared themselves to be Viennese, but they were yeah. all from the provinces. In fact, Laurie was, 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 yeah, from a small town in Hungary. Omer was from a town in Moravia. So what's today the Czech Republic called Olmutz. And, uh, and Wilder, you know, was from this little, little backwater shtetl in Galicia called Sucha, which is about, uh, Roughly thirty miles southwest of Krakow. I did have the single advantage, you know, you even you bring up in your forward and maybe elsewhere of this new book, Billy Wilder on assignment, that Ed Seekoff, the author of yeah. perhaps the The definitive you know, Wilder biography. Definitive yeah. Billy Wilder. I I you know, I had Ed on my show a number of years ago after I read it. I said it wasn't a new book. 
but yeah. I just thought I gotta I gotta have I gotta talk because yeah. I, while I was watching them reading it, excuse me, reading all those his book, I was rewatching or watching for the first time in a few cases all those Wilder films. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. That's a great book. It's a really great book, um, and very helpful. So one of the two outstanding, uh, you know, commitments that I've made. One, I, I, I'm going to finish up this book on Some Like It Hot, but the other, I'm going to do a short interpretive biography of Wilder. And it'll be di- very different from what Ed Sikoff does in his kind of doorstop of Expansive. a you know, yeah. sprawling, sprawling back. This, you know, these it's for the Yale Jewish Live series. So that it'll probably be about, it'll actually be about the same size as, as this little book here. It'll be about, about 200 pages. They say slender. And, they don't yes, say yeah, they do say slender. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's the... That's the, it's a, it's the, uh, Wilder trifecta or whatever. This is what Wilder, you, right. know, you get, uh, pork three ways. Isn't that right? Or something like that. This is, uh, this is Wilder three ways. Well, it's a great idea that somebody finally tackled this because, um, I mean, I don't know, uh, uh, you, you, it's the subtitles dispatches from Weimar Berlin and interwar Vienna. And, um, it's such a perfect thing for any real, cinephile or wilder fan because this is a, a such an influential chapter it's such a transitional chapter for wilder as he is transitioning from being sort of a like you say a provincial well he was kind of urbane though right uh, but he, he was, well, he was born in the provinces he quickly his family quickly migrated to pretty much as fast as they could they they, they got to vienna via krakow yeah. and his trajectory from europe to the states is it's an incredible story and it's just really fueled by ambition mm-hmm. and you know these it had nothing i don't think it really had a lot to do with the rise of the nazis even though that was happening and ultimately he just sort of let the door swinging hit him in yeah. the butt as he was on that boat ship to to this to us but he just made it out uh within a short amount of time correct yeah, he, he seemed pretty. Out of Par- he was in Paris at the last. Yes, list. exactly. In, in 1934, he found his way to Paris, and he, he together with Peter Lorre, uh, ended up uh, shack, shacking up at the Hotel Ansonia in Paris. <laughs> That's right, right. And he very, you know, very quickly found his way to America. And I think that you can see in some of these pieces um, already a a a a, a kind of. Uh, determination to get to America. And, and in fact, that's kind of the way that this all began for him. His whole stint as a freelance uh, journalist began with the, <laughs> the fleeting dream that if he just becomes a foreign correspondent without any, any, any facility in the English language, that was, that was what kind of undid those plans. But, but he thought that if he could just be a, a foreign correspondent for, for, for a newspaper, that, that they would send him to America. He didn't know English. That kind of ended that fantasy. He was only 19. Yeah. Um, and instead ends up, you know, furnishing them with, uh, you know, uh, uh, crossword puzzles and little, 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 yeah. uh, the- pieces of reportage and, and, uh, and, and from there doing, you know, interviewing in interviews and, and much lengthier profiles and, and all of that. But it all began, I think, with the desire to get to America. He was sort of a pop culture writer before there was such a thing invented. Yeah. I mean, he, his pieces are, you, you see what he's trying to, like he's and he's you know putting himself in the center of the scene you know but before there was such thing as as frilly i mean these were serious artists that he was surrounding himself but he for sure you know composers he, he, want, and, he wanted to be where the action was that's very clear that's very yeah. and in the center of it right yeah and that's so whether it was the theater scene 
or or the different you know visual artists that he kind of uh, consorted with at the at the Romanisches Café, which is one of the big big wonderful old cafes on Kufirstendam, which is very popular with the sort of bohemian set. Um, but it began even before that in Vienna, you know, which had a real serious coffee house culture. And in both places, essentially one of the, one of the great benefits, there are many, many virtues to the coffee house for sure. But one of the, one of the greatest virtues was that, you know, for the, for the price of a single cup of coffee, you could sit there for hours on end and they had, you know, on racks, they had all the different newspapers. And so you could sit there and read up on what was happening and, you know, hang out and have a little cafe clutch or schmoozing with your, right. with, with your pals and and it was it was good for those who didn't have a whole lot of money because again it just cost you a you know a cup of coffee and and no no one is going to disturb you no one was going to tell you, you got to get out of there so um he spent he spent many many hours in the coffee houses of of Vienna and then and then in Berlin and you're absolutely right that's that's where he um you know in terms of in terms of the people that 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 that, that, that he spent time with you had budding film you know budding cineasts so so filmmakers but also who were just sort of a part of the larger film scene in 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 Weimar Berlin um actors writers uh dancers um and you know the longest piece the piece with which the volume with which we uh, open up the volume uh my wonderful translator Shelley Frisch and I is that is that four-part story of him working as a dancer for hire as a so-called taxi dancer but yeah, so he was, you know, hanging out with with, with with dancers, but also with a lot of young people who were just kind of getting by. The German term for it, they call them Lebenskünstler. These are people who are sort of, they have, it's a sort of art of living, meaning that, you know, you're eking out a salary, maybe doing some freelance pieces, and maybe you're getting a free meal, uh, if you're lucky, with, a, you know, a friend who happens to have... have uh, have maybe done well at the at the card table the night before, or somebody who picked up a commission. You know, a lot of it, it is in fact work on commission, mm-hmm. and that's why, in fact, the the, the very title of the book, Billy Wilder on Assignment, um, that seemed to make the most sense for us because he a lot of these things were just pieces. People have asked about this. You know, are these pieces that he pitched or are these pieces that he was you know asked to write, and I think it's some sort of a combination. Right. Well, he was always wheeling and dealing, and and and. Uh, through his ambition, he was really a, a natural. I mean, I, I, I mean, you could see it in his writing how clever he is. So, I mean, you could just imagine how that worked as he tried to manipulate and navigate his way through gigs. That he was just very good at creating circumstances and opportunities. He wasn't waiting for, around for them just to fall into his lap. No, I mean, today, obviously, this is not a term that would have been used back then. I wouldn't even know what its equivalent would be, and there may not be one in German. But we speak of the gig economy, right? And yeah. he, was, he was gigging. I mean, there are a bunch right. of people gigging. Yep. Musicians, they were gigging. Uh, dancers, actors. Uh, well, but, yeah, I mean, that was a period of struggle, right? Hence the rise of the Nazis. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that most people were, a lot of people were struggling financially. It was not... Right. I mean, Nazis. Absolutely. No, you had the stock Nazis. market crash the, the first part of the 20s, around 23, 24. Then you have it's a, so, so this runaway inflation. Germany is struggling and uh, uh, trying to pay the, the reparation, big, big price tag of the Versailles Treaty, the reparations that were very, very difficult, big strain, economic strain on, on Weimar, uh, Germany. Um, and as for the young people, you know, it was certainly uh an exciting period but there were a lot of period a lot of people including wilder himself and he writes about it as a journalist 
um, who, you know, didn't have much more than the clothes that were on their backs and, right. and uh, didn't know where they were going to get their, you know, their next meal. Um, and so it was definitely, and, and it's kind of, it, I, I like reading these early pieces by young Billy, as he, and he spelled it at that point in time. B-I-L-L-I-E. Exactly. Um, but young Billy, because it's, it's good to know that he wasn't always, you know, the, the, the writer director with six Oscars to his credit and a, and a swimming pool in his backyard in Beverly Hills. He was also once, uh, a little pisher. <laughs> he didn't have a pot to piss in. Um, and, and, and was, and was struggling, but you're right. I mean, what you said about his, the, the ambition, cause you, you, the, you see the ambition, it's not obnoxious ambition, but you can tell this is somebody who wants bigger and better things yeah. and he's going to, and he's going to get them and he's going to kind of talk his way into places that will, you know, make, allow him to, to, to kind of make that next step. I'm a big fan of Bud Schulberg's novel, what makes Sammy run. And, and there is a certain kind of Sammy Glick to, to young Billy as well, where he's, you know, and in fact, I, I often link the, the, the Schulberg character to Sidney Falco from Sweet Smell of Success, Tony Curtis's character. And I think in both instances, you can see certain affinities with young Billy, the, 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 the journalist slash press agent, maybe not well, quite. You're bringing, a, you're bringing up a seminal film that Billy Wilder didn't. No, no, he didn't. No, no, direct. He, he, he had the, he had the, uh, the good sense to cast Tony Curtis a bit later in, you know, some like it. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. But uh sweet smell of success is a great, great movie. And Sidney Falco is a, is a kind of archetype in a way. And I think right. it is a bit of Sammy Glick character. I mean, Sammy Glick, he's sort of climbing the, the rungs of the ladder in, in, in Hollywood and, and Sidney Falco, you know, he's doing his best to, to get a break in 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 the fast you know sort of fast lane of New York City in the 1950s, so it's yeah. a, you know, it's sort of different moments in time and different locations. And Billy's case, young Billy, you know, it's it's uh, interwar Vienna and, and Weimar Berlin. I mean, he, he leaves Vienna with the Paul Whiteman Orchestra in the summer of 26. So that's the moment he gets a chance. And I don't think that it was necessarily that. Vienna was too small for him, but he knew that, that you know again to follow the action. The action was in Berlin. And so he follows the Whiteman Orchestra. They, they, you know, Paul Whiteman himself, the, the 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 band leader, jazz band leader, invites him after after Billy does a kind of flattering. It's not quite a puff piece, but he writes a kind of flattering, a profile of uh, of Whiteman, talking about among other things Whiteman's signature mustache. <laughs> but then later, um, you know, follows him to Berlin, and in Berlin, the the the, the Whiteman Orchestra performs in this really ornate and wonderful grand. <laughs> Palace, the the Gose Schauspielhaus, it's called, and uh, Billy writes again this really really laudatory review, noting among other things the extraordinary rendition um, of of uh, Rhapsody in Blue and how the audience just keeps giving more and more. And a normally sort of standoffish Berliner audience, you know, you can think sort of that. Also, that New York and Berlin have quite a few affinities, but one of them, I think, is this, you know. They're they're not you know, known for being either of them for being you know especially effusive and generous with their <laughs> their praise and there they are giving these 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 standing ovations um, and from from that 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 point onward from around summer summer of twenty six he ends up in Berlin until you know until Hitler's rise to power in mm. you know, January of thirty three 
and leaves and leaves soon after. He leaves. He leaves. I think almost exactly after the the burning of the Reichstag, if I'm not mistaken. So just about a month or so after Hitler has seized what, power. Uh, so what is it? Knowing your three books, your your three volume. What is it? I mean, about the immigrant story. Yeah. Because mm. Casablanca, as we just talked about a few years ago, yeah, is a movie about the immigrant. Is it is an immigration? Is an immigrant yeah, yeah, story, yeah, right? So. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it's chopped. It's yeah, cast. It's a, ref, it's a refugee with, story. It's a refugee story too. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's look at all the people that are, are are in the movie or immigrants. Yeah, yeah. Actors. Oh, and in fact, were themselves refugees uh, yeah. until yeah until they landed up you know landed in, in Southern California, um, and still actually many of them didn't didn't yet even have they hadn't yet naturalized. They were kind of stateless at that point. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's funny. I I. Uh, I'm drawn to that story. There's no question about it. Um, I'm drawn in particular, I think, we were talking moments ago about, you know, kind of reinvention and how at different moments in one's life, one kind of needs to reinvent oneself. And I think for me, it's particularly fascinating to see how these these, uh, writers, artists, actors, um, directors, cinematographers, how they go about that. And it's so, so difficult. I mean, I think for instance, so if I could give you an example that concerns young, young Billy Wilder. So in the summer of 1929 with less than $5,000 as their budget uh, money, money that actually, in fact, Edgar, Edgar Omer, the subject of the previous uh, biography of mine um, that, that, that he'd brought, cause he'd already been working um at Fox, and then he was working in the art department at Universal. At Fox, he was together with Rojus Glisa. He'd served a, as a, as a, a designer on on Murnau's American debut, Sunrise, so in twenty seven. And so he makes his way back across the Atlantic in twenty eight, twenty nine. Anyway, in that summer, um, they 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 make this amazing late late silent film on a on a shoestring budget, as I mentioned, called People on Sunday. Mention up Sontag. And all of these people involved, including Robert Siodmak, his brother, Kurt, Edgar Omer. So Robert Siodmak and, and, and Omer would, would, would share the director credit on the picture. Billy Wilder would provide the script, if you can call it a script, because it was really sitting at the Romanisches Café and jotting down ideas on, on scrap paper or napkins, as the story goes. Um, and then just kind of providing lines of dialogue as they shot. Um, and then Fred Zinnemann, was was the assistant cameraman that, and the sort of the old man on the set was Eugen Schuftan, Eugene Schufi, as he was called affectionately here in in America. That's what um, they call me. Yeah, Schufi, Schufi, <laughs> and 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 uh, he was experienced. He had he had you know been one of the many cinematographers enlisted in the production of of uh, Metropolis in twenty seven for Fritz Lang, and had even pioneered this 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 Schuftan process as they called it, using mirrors uh, in order to create a sense of a, a, a sort of a epic sense of scale, large massive sense of scale. Um, Schuftan, I tell you the story because he then would quite late, together with Siegfried Krakauer, who was one of the great film historians from this 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 group, and who was also like Billy, young Billy, a a journalist. Krakauer was at the Frankfurt at Zeitung, which was sort of the, the, the old gray lady, more like the New York Times, a sort of liberal broadsheet. Young Billy wrote mostly for tabloids. Um, but together with, with Krakauer, 
Schriftan crossed the Atlantic uh, from Lisbon. I want to say 41, if I'm not mistaken. Neissa, I think, was the SS Neissa was the name of their ship. Anyway, I don't know why I have these sort of otherwise totally useless information cluttering my mind. But they made their way to America. And the point of telling you Schiffton's story is about this reinvention. So Schiffton gets to, gets to America. Krakow remains in, in New York after the ship, you know, docks in New York Harbor. Schiffton goes all the way to, to Hollywood. And because he couldn't join the, the, the Cinematographer's Guild, he ends up doing all sorts of work uncredited. He, he, he works with Cirque. He works with Omar on a number of films, especially those made for the bottom of the barrel B-movie, mm-hmm. B-movie studio producers, releasing corporation, PRC. Um, but then it takes all the way until 1960, I think it is, 60, 61, where he finally picks up an Oscar for best black and white cinematography on The Hustler. Now, the point of that story is that, you know, here you have somebody who begins in, in, in you know, Weimar Berlin, working with Lang, working with then Wilder and Zinnemann and, and, and Ulmer and Siegelmark, gets to America, can't even pick up, you know, officially get, get, get credit for the work that he's doing, has to work in uncredited capacity. But then finally, uh, you know, goes on and, 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 and achieves redemption. That was not, by the way, the case for Omer's story is another story, much more tragic in the sense that he, he, he had all of this talent uh, and yet just somehow, and, and, and in fact, Cir- there's that wonderful collection of interviews with Douglas Cirque, the Cirque on Cirque, it's called, you know, Faber and Faber did to these, these little collections, you know, Herzog on Herzog, Cirque on Cirque, anyway, where Cirque says that, that, that uh, once you've shown yourself as somebody who ha- has a real capacity and real talent for, for, for making B-movies, you are forever consigned to that role. That's just, you can't, you can't break out of it. And, mm. and that was the sort of fate. That, that that was handed down to Omar, but but Wilder was obviously a different story, and I think you can see in these early pieces of his journalism that certainly that that the sheer ambition, but also the that mordant wit that we recognize in so many of his of his later films, um, that playfulness, the mischief, all of that, um, and in the case of Wilder, obviously. I mentioned Truffaut late in life managed to to earn some recognition on the Hustler. Uh, which is a good title for actually all of these guys because they were really hustling. Well, I mean, it was the best. hustle or starve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right? Or perish. Uh, or whatever. Absolutely, hustle or perish. And, you know, while they're obviously, of, of all of them, I mean, Zinnemann had a very, very distinguished career for sure. But while they really seem to have a unique ability to speak to a mass audience and to achieve right well he thought the big con- critical as well as commercial success yeah he he got the big concept concept yeah. <laughs> yeah like um his stories his movies were they were events they were often not not always but he just you know he's operating on a different wavelength you know clearly yeah and he commercially he, speaking yeah and i think that some of that has to do with the fact that he was such a talented writer. And that's why these early, early yeah. pieces of journalism are really important to see that talent, that, that, that seeming, seeming innate talent, that, that seemingly uh, uh, perfect match for him as a writer. Uh, and he was, you know, it's funny. I say perfect match as a writer. He says uh, the, the, the epitaph on his tomb, tombstone is I'm a writer, but, but nobody's perfect. Is that odd? <laughs> is, you know, t- taking that, uh, the, the famous line, of course, from, uh, from, uh, some like it hot, but, but, but he, 
he began as a writer and he remained a writer his whole life. And I think that that was one of the key factors in this. The other is that when he got to America from the very beginning, he always partnered with with uh, either native born or in the case of of IAL Diamond, Is Diamond, uh, American raised. Is Diamond came from Romania, but came as a young boy. So didn't have yeah, any trace of the accent sure. and had much greater facility with the English language. And so Wilder says, I mean, when you, so you have the Brackett years initially, those years with Charlie Brackett. And in fact, Brackett was from Saratoga Springs, New York, oh, uh, son of a Republican New York senator. He was part of the, he went to Williams College, was, was part of this Algonquin uh, 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 circle, was, was a, a theater critic at the New Yorker. Um, and he said about Brackett, he said, you know, Brackett, Brackett gave me English and I gave him comedy, basically. And so that was sort of the, the you know, the exchange there. And there were certain movies that were too dark for Brackett, you know, with Double Indemnity, Chandler comes in and and serves as his writing partner in Raymond Chandler. Um, but but Brackett, those years were, were important. They were important in the sense, too, that those were the years when he made that transition from being just a writer and, you know, in italics, just a writer uh, and, uh, to being a director. And so it's during those early years that, that, that Brackett and, and, and Wilder worked on a couple of Lubitsch films and Lubitsch was forever Wilder's great mentor and even thought of him as something of a god. Um, but they worked on Bluebeard's Eighth Wife and then on Ninochka and then Hawks. They worked with Hawks on Ball of Fire, you know, with Barbara Stanwyck. Unbelievable stuff. Just the yeah, best yeah. of the best, you know, screwball comedies. I mm-hmm. mean, they were just, yeah, it's exceedingly fun to read about that time. Yeah, for sure. And the well screwball comedy is such a, such a, such a great, yeah, <laughs> great just... a great period and a great cycle of movies or genre, if you want to call it that. But yeah, yeah. And those are some, so those are some of the great ones. And, and so, and, and Wilder's debut as a, as a director is in fact, uh, a screwball. It's, instead of Barbara Stanwyck, he has Ginger Rogers, but it's the major and the minor. And which is spectacular. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just a spectacular. I mean, it's so taboo today. Oh, yeah. Couldn't make that film today. Just not, couldn't not do it. Not a chance. No way. And ironically, you know, <laughs> it's this at is the very core of what you absolutely the, the, cannot get away with anymore. Yeah, no, ironically, this is during the full, full. Uh, enforcement of the production code uh and so they could but that wasn't taboo amazingly enough yeah yeah yeah, um uh the the conceit being that uh um ginger rogers in order to get free passage on a train no it's a she needs a children's rate she doesn't have money for adult she doesn't have the full full, fare to get back to iowa she doesn't have all the money so she reduced to be a, a minor and she meets uh ray meland right no, it's not Milan. It's oh, uh, I'm screwing uh, it up. Who is it? Oh God, who is it? Right, it's not Milan. It's, but it's from it's from the Lost Weekend, right? It's the same actor. Oh, that is Milan. There was some is Milan it? in here too. I can't remember. Now, and I am so. <laughs> call her. You're probably call right, in. Adam. I should please know call this. in. Uh, but but anyway, so so and he falls in love with knowing. It's like it's in a way it's closest to not to get too far afield because we're talking about Billy Wilder. Um, yeah pre-america pre-us but it, it, that movie in some ways is closer to some like it hot because well besides the train travel there's also uh you know disguising yourself and and then somebody right. falling in love with, you know uh, nobody's perfect 
you know, yeah, but it's like, you know, if something's not right, but uh, I'm still falling in love with this yeah. young, why am I having these feelings for, uh, I shouldn't have these feelings for this underage girl. Of course, she's a full, she's a grown woman. She is a grown um, woman. She is a grown woman. And she, she, so she's the major and the minor. Yeah, she, she's developed because she comes from Swedish stock. Remember that? And then they, and no. then the conductor says, say something in Swedish. And she says, she thinks for a moment, she says, I want to be alone. You know, the Gretel Garbo the Gretel Garbo from Grand Hotel. I want to be alone. Um, it is Ray Man. I had to look it up. It's Ray uh, oh, it's Milan. Okay. Yeah, Milan, Milan. I never know how to say his last name. Maybe that's why I didn't want to say it. Um, but it isn't, in fact, he plays Major Kirby in it. And I'd, I'd, uh, I think, of course, we both. The only thing I've not seen, uh, by the way, of Billy Wilder's, uh, it was the uh, musical he did with uh, Emperor Waltz. Yeah, Emperor's yeah. Waltz. The Emperor Waltz. Yeah. And I have a DVD of it. It's the only way I could get. I could. I couldn't find it anywhere. I had to buy it. Yeah. And I didn't watch it. <laughs> but I watched everything else to it, talk to Ed. It's not his greatest work, but it is interesting in I the know. kind of Austrian nostalgia that is. And and and, and to see look and <laughs> to see Bing Crosby and later Hosen, you know, yodeling. It's it's worth it for that. But there's some there's some very funny lines in it. But you I'll, I'll, I'll put it. You were saying before uh, the, the, some of the affinities between the major and the minor and some like it. I mean, the, there there is definitely a very strong screwball dimension. You mentioned also, though, the sort of role play and make believe, and you see that, and you see it in these pieces here. You know that the piece, for instance, on the chameleon. Someone asked me whether maybe this is anticipating, you know, Zelig or something, but you you <laughs> right there trying to get the. Um, but you see that element of rule play and make believe, and even and even his sort of uh, his playful endorsement of of down of you know of lying of mendacity in 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 uh, uh, the the what is it the um, the, the little ruses the, his piece on that basically advocates making lying part of the of the gymnasium or high school curriculum, um, and so I think you get. A lot of the foundational elements of Wilder's artistry as a screenwriter in these in these in these early pieces, and in fact, they overlap quite nicely with some of his earliest works, uh, some of his earliest assignments work as as a as a, as a screenwriter. So the two are kind of feeding into each other already. Then, he, and in fact, right. there are places he had uh, started yeah. directing. Overlap. Hmm? He started directing. He did one, I think, feature in Germany uh, in, in in Berlin. But he found it to be uh, an enormously unpleasant experience. He preferred writing. It wasn't until he got to the States and started collaborating as a writer. Yeah. And he only did that out of duress, but it w- ended up being much he different. He, just, he, he didn't have the English language, so he really, he really yeah. needed um, He had to. He, 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 yeah. he, he purportedly picked up most of his English. Again, these are stories he liked to tell late in life, but but um, so so please think think about these uh, statements in that in that in that context. But he said he learned most of it listening to, to sports games on the radio, listening like sense. baseball yeah. announcers. Yeah, and, um, and I think you can that that, that the sort of, those sort of clipped sentences, those kind of declarative clipped sentences, the the tempo, the pacing, um, and wow. also his, his penchant for 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 slang. And 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 in fact, even some slang that comes and, from baseball that you'll find in his in his movies. Huh. What what else did you maybe just kind of put together or figure out about him as a char- as his character, his personality from just reading over this and doing your research? Anything else from that uh, about him that 
you know, you, to, to kind of make him into a whole person, to a yeah. realized human being. Because we only really know, we know a lot about him but from his years in the States, but obviously yes. there's not footage of him other than he, he may have appeared in a film. Uh, well, yes, you have the cameo. So he's in, he, right. there, there's a photo I include in the editor's introduction. Um, that's that's uh, a brief cameo he made in a, in a, in in one of one of the movies that he scripted and is fully credited for. It's called the Teufelsreporter. It's uh, the the a hell of a hell of a reporter is the English title. Uh, sometimes it's translated as Devil's Reporter. I like Hell of a Reporter better. Um, and it was for Ernst Lemley, who was Carl Lemley. You know, it was his nephew. Yeah. And and there is a photograph, just a production photo of Wilder in, you know, trench coat and snap rim hat kind of asserting himself. You know, it's 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 his Hitchcock's cameo, if you if you like, but he, he didn't direct this. And and he's looking all the part. He's looking the part of the reporter, which is what, in fact, he was doing off screen anyway. So it makes complete sense. And that that is a story about a reporter. It's played by an American actor named Eddie Polo whose name sounds like it must have been a, you know, a, a, a pseudonym, Short, I don't know. Shortened name or something. Eddie, Eddie Polo just sounds, I don't know. Maybe he was born, given, given that name of birth. I'm not sure. Um, but it, 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 it is one of the, 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 the early credited uh, uh, screenplays because he did, he did quite a bit of ghostwriting as well. And so received, you know, as, as any ghostwriter, will tell you received almost no credit for that. So uh, apart from maybe a, a, a certain a certain fee that was agreed upon, <laughs> in certain cases, not even that fee. Uh, anyway, this is one of the early, early productions for which he received a proper credit. And it's, and it's quite, a, it's, 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 it's a great film. You mentioned he directed, he directed also in Paris, he co-directed uh, a kind of proto-noir called Mauvaise Graine, I think is the oh, title. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I don't know what the English release title was. I'm not even sure it was ever released. You know, it was 34 in Paris. I'm not sure it was released uh, internationally. Um, but then it was in, in the States. And that's because he wanted to have greater, you know, creative control. He wanted, he, he didn't didn't like what was happening to the work that he, that, that, that he was doing and wanted to be able to make sure that he could maintain control over over his you know his words but it wasn't in his i know it was not in his um preference it was not his preference to become a director it wasn't like uh but you're probably right he's motivated by what you just said but yeah he was not a happy director i mean from what i've read and then it wasn't until a, another opportunity as he was you know becoming a hugely successful these guys were they never had to stop writing i mean they, no. they were making an incredibly good living yeah um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, but he did think of himself always, till the till the bitter end. First and foremost, as being a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and that's why this collection. So I I had known of this these these uh, writings, oh, for a good long time. I know, um, decades actually. And nobody's thought to translate these. No, I don't know why. No, uh, strangely, <laughs> but uh, we. We realized, uh, my translator uh, Shelley Fish and I, this was something that, that, that really ought to reach a scholars uh, had never speaking audience. Uh, and, where so and where and they you went back to like uh, the what is it microfree fish or no 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 thankfully not so no I have to confess <laughs> this, this was not an archivally based 
uh, collection. These were it, 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 rather what we did here was to to cull pieces from two extant publications. One is a Berlin collection called the Prince von Wales geht auf Urlaub. The Prince of Wales goes on holiday, okay. and the other was from a Viennese publication of about a decade or so later by the uh, the Filmarchiv Austria, the the, the Austrian um, film ar archive, and 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 that was just simply called Billy. Uh, and those were his Viennese writings, okay. and the other was restricted to his Berlin. So they had been. So we we blended. Yeah, that we would make sense because I mean, sort of a great one of their most there were certain certain texts there that didn't really either were really hard, I think, to make them accessible to an English speaking audience, or just were outdated, or just didn't. You know, we we had we there there are a few things that ended up on the you know the cutting, cutting room floor, but yeah. they could have also been badly written, which is God forbid. Yeah, no, no. In his case, that's hard to imagine. But there, I mean, he was also churning stuff out quickly. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a bit of unevenness, sure. With the expression on his face in this photo, you wisely chose, or it's hard <laughs> yeah. to imagine that he ever thought he was going to be anything other than in a huge success. He just yeah. looks <laughs> both really, really pleased, but also just so confident. Yeah, you you, you see that, I think, too, in the one... Um, where he's standing just 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 behind Paul Whiteman. It's in it's in it's included in the editor's introduction. He's yeah, just some photos uh, at the beginning. Yeah, a couple, couple couple steps behind Whiteman, uh, and you could see that he was very eager. I think to be surrounded by the the the, the famous and the almost famous. <laughs> in fact, it's funny that that the, the 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 traveling with um you know there's the Cameron Crowe collection conversations with Wilder. Yes. And the story of him traveling to Weimar, Berlin, with the uh, Whiteman Orchestra reminds me, to a certain extent, of Almost Famous of the of the Cameron Crowe. Oh, uh, as a young yeah, journalist for Rolling Stone, yeah, exactly. how he uh, traveled with. Uh... Yeah, writing for Cream, I think it was for Cream, oh, Cream. Rolling Stone, and uh, yeah, and also young, very very young uh, writer who somehow ends up earning the respect of well. The, the the different musicians as as well as Lester Bangs, I think it is, isn't that right? Doesn't he end up having a relationship, I think, with him too, you know, professional relationship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so there is directing there, fast there, there times and something to that. And it took it took it was very hard. If you if you um read those the conversations with Wild the Cameron Crow, it's very hard, I guess, for, for Cameron Crow to to earn Wilder's respect and, 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 or to get him to agree to do it. And I think it was after he made Jerry Maguire. I think it was. Ah, yeah, well, it was impossible to, as a matter of fact, when I started telling you that Tom Cruise yeah. was handing back his, returned his uh, yeah. three Golden Globes, one of them was for Jerry Maguire. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll need to read that story at some point. It's on, yeah, I just get these deadline, endless yeah, deadline, yeah. Up, uh, you know, press releases and, uh, no, we, you know. We're doing this just audio, not 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 video. No, right? actually, it's on video. But if you pr prefer not, <laughs> that's fine. I just. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody cares. I might, I might have dressed for the occasion. Okay, no, no, no. I like it. I like it. I, 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 well, I wouldn't worry, but I don't. Inf I don't push that hard. I tried. To, I I try to remember to kind of say, but because the YouTube thing has been very nice to have as an addition, like an additional. Okay. Yeah, because I think when we discussed the. The Casablanca book a few years. Well, that back. was audio only. Yes, yeah. we were not actually... podcast. Well, that that was at a very different time in yeah, the yeah, world. Of yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But, 
I, 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 don't enjoyed... I, I don't think I washed my hands at all that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I coughed on as many people. Yeah, I, I would yeah, go out of my yeah. way to cough on people yeah, back then. Yeah. Are you? I assume you're vaccinated, and you're. I am. I am. Um, as am I. I've been fully fully vaccinated now for about a month. Okay. We we were able to get in there pretty early. That's great. Yeah, it is great. It's a it's a you know proverbial game changer. It's a, you do feel a lot different in the world knowing that I'm, if you do catch this uh, scourge of a of a virus, you may actually survive it. <laughs> or the chances are, yeah, no, tomorrow will be my two week two week. Uh, oh, good for tomorrow. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, big, 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 big difference. Well, uh, I, can talk, I certainly talk. I mean, you know, I talk to you forever about these these stories. I mean, I mean, obviously, this is a special Venn. Di- There's a Venn diagram here, but but uh, I'm glad you like them. <laughs> if people have been very generous, uh, the book has been. Are you doing uh, any events, virtual or otherwise? Of course, been doing some. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to speak with. Producer Erwin Winkler uh, on the 19th of May at Chevalier's Books in uh, Hancock Park, in the Hancock Park neighborhood of, of LA. I mean, we're going to do it virtually, but that's they're the ones who are, who are organizing it. Um, and Erwin Winkler, he produced a. Well, month. I know Erwin Winkler, yeah, 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 yeah. and I actually met him. And uh, I unfortunately, you know, I read his book. Yeah, yeah. I have it here, memoir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, while I was working at the door um he for a, one of a book event that he had tied into the tribeca film festival okay and yeah it was um, right soon after the memoir came out right right then it was one yeah. of the first events he did yeah. and it, it was with the tribeca film festival and i think they were what were they showing goodfellas raging bull i don't know they were doing some special screening yeah. and 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 um uh, so I got my moment with him and sat with him and talked with him, but I didn't do any, unfortunately not for the, this, but he, uh, I was able to say, you know, my dad's name is Robert Chartoff. So it was his former producing partner was Robert Chartoff. Oh yes. And, uh, so I got, but I did get to who passed away uh, right. some time ago, but I was able to, to, to uh, tell Irwin, uh, that that my dad would occasionally be mistaken for the other Robert Chartoff, uh, but although my dad we pronounce it Chartoff with a soft sh- right, right, and uh, he you know my dad claimed that he occasionally would get mail sent to his office or whatever. I don't believe that. For the producing partner of Erwin Winkler, <laughs> and uh, uh, but I got yeah. a, I, I got to meet him. He's a, he was very nice, and I met I his family you. and. I'm really looking forward to it. that. Should be great. I did. Yeah. What day is that? Let's plug that. That's the 19th. That's coming up soon. 19th of of May. May. Oh, I got to register. So, and it's which bookstore is is that's hosting called, it? Uh, uh, Chevaliers. Chevaliers Books in okay. Los Angeles. It's in Maurice. Yes. Well, uh, is it spelled the same way? That's a good. It doesn't matter. Um, and. Back at McNally Jackson, the date that it came out, we did with the with the with the translator uh, Shelley Frisch and Molly Haskell, and we had oh great, Molly Haskell, yeah, wow, how was that? That was a lot of fun. Molly's always great. I don't know how come I miss these things. It's, it's that's okay. It's well for you, it's fine. I mean, you, you didn't know you didn't miss me at the event, but I wasn't there. I could have seen it. <laughs> but I'm fresh I was, off of. I was trying to make you feel better. It's okay. I appreciate this, that. You can't go is that to, something I can see? Can't go to everything. That's. I think it is up. It is up on. Oh, uh, I love to see that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Ma, yeah, Molly's um, great. She's always great. We'd done. We began the Casablanca 
launch that was the uh, at at, at uh, you know in person at McNally Jackson back in uh, on Valentine's Day 2017. Molly and I, so that was fun to kind of ha- launch this one together. And Shelley is always great, the translator. So she writes. Oh, okay. Messages. I should have been. Uh, in fact, we're going to do. Shelley and I are going to do something in June. I wish I could give you the exact date, but June at Warwick's Bookstore in La Jolla, California, and that will also be virtual. Right. So like June the eighth. Well, not... you can do so much more, and other people from all over the world could come to it. You know, I mean, it's yeah, the one nice, nice thing. But you know, which kind of kind kind of compensates for the the big thing that we're all missing, which is contact. <laughs> you know, that it nice it doesn't thing. Quite compensate for that, does it? No, no, looking into people's meeting people on the fly and, and having those spontaneous connections and moments are, are, are uh, you know, uh, they're invaluable. Yeah. And that's why we miss the film festivals, you know. Also. Yeah, for sure. But Tribeca is going to be in person. Yeah. For, for those, I mean, it's also virtual. Both. Yeah. Right. I'll be taking I was I was kind of kind of heartened that they're going to go ahead and and do I mean I guess enough people are vaccinated at this point that they in fact they may stipulate that I don't know I, I don't know how they enforce it though but I, that's I an know. interesting that's the next thing where I guess it would be an honor code you 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 declare whether or not you've been vaccinated I mean for but those what better who, way of getting people to start applying pressure uh I mean you know is is by doing things for those who are, I mean, it's, it's sticky, but it, it, yeah. I think we need, there's obviously a percentage of people that maybe need a little nudging and maybe social pressure is yeah, the way maybe. to do it without it becoming political. Maybe that would help. We do. You can't, as we know, we've learned already, you can't, you know, politicizing, it definitely does not help. That's not working. That um, does the opposite. Yes, exactly. But we'll see. And I'm hoping that we'll uh, be back to, to all the other great, you know, I don't know whether Toronto will be in person in the, in the, in the, in the fall. And hopefully we will uh, come, come spring of 2022 uh, South by Southwest will be held here in person again. So are you in, I was going to ask you that, are you, you're in, uh, are you yeah, in, in, Austin. in Austin right now? Yeah. Oh, so you are. Okay. Cause I was going to ask you, I, and I was going to ask you what you were teaching because um I wasn't sure if you were teaching the immigration. No, well, I'm teaching film noir. I did two, that's online, two semesters in a row. But in the fall, I'm going to do a Wilder class. Uh, and so I will be shameless enough to have students actually read this. And uh, among other, read, read the Sikhoff. Uh, read oh, yeah? The, read the, read the, read the, the, the also the, the, the conversations with uh with Wilder. Cameron and with, uh, or is, yeah. uh, Ed, have you been scholar, with Ed recently? Scholarly, uh, writings on, on, on X. I may have them. There's a great book. I think it's out of print by, uh, Tony Halbert, Anthony Halbert called Exiled in Paradise. Do you know that one that's on the migration from Central Europe, German speaking Central Europe to, to the U.S.? Um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll put Exile together. what? It's called Exiled in Paradise. Okay. Um, have you, were you, in, I know you quoted from Ed but it sounds like you might yeah. have spoken to him or at least I have and I, I have we, we we went to Cafe Lou which no longer exists oh so yeah. he's he's doing he's still kind of we did this is this plateaued. is a, well a few years ago a few years ago but, so but I, I'm wondering if he's plateaued like you know what can happen with Parkinson he's has yeah. Parkinson's yeah. and he I saw him out on the street a couple of times and he was with the maybe his trainer or or he has an assistant some of the time right. to help him somebody to assist him an aid or something right as uh i mean it's fairly it didn't look i don't know how much it's advanced 
Yeah, I'd like to get back in touch with him. He's terrific, and that, yeah. that biography is uh, unparalleled. And um, he's a funny guy too. Very, very, very witty. Um, and his his final, I mean, just the his finally meeting. Uh, he he. In fact, he they re released the in a new edition of his book because after he finished writing it, he met with he had lunch with Wilder and his wife yeah. Wilder's wife. Yeah, at, which was worthy of a book in and of itself. It was a just unbelievable and so he added an afterword i guess yeah, exactly um, you have an epilogue in the new edition yeah that, that's done by university press i think it's maybe minnesota if i'm not mistaken i, uh, I was looking around but, for my yeah, copies. the first one was a uh was a trade a trade a trade press book and then oh. i think minnesota re re re-released it with that with that epilogue with that that's afterword. what i got yeah yeah, yeah. And i was like why didn't i know about this book and i was like in the bookstore and i just took a picture of it and then i contacted ed on facebook at <laughs> like five years ago yeah maybe four and uh he did the show i have uh, both editions um well look it's been terrific speaking with yeah, you adam same here and I uh, hope to hope to come back and and see you when I, once I'm able to get this uh, some like it hot book out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll do it, and I'll and I'll I'll, I'll I'm going to uh, register for the uh, the oh, yeah. uh, the Chevalier uh, yeah Chevalier's books Chevalier's bookstore. Yeah. So that that would be fun to watch that, and um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll and I'm I'm going to be in Brooklyn. My 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 son will be there after the school. He's in Los Angeles with his mother mm-hmm. right now. But when the school year ends, he'll he'll be they'll be back in New York, and uh, I'll be making many many trips all the time. So maybe we'll grab a coffee. Be nice. Be nice. Um, well, you're, you if you're back by then, I'll be. I'm going to come back uh, for a chunk of a chunk of summer. Okay. Um, it would be good to cross paths. That's for sure. Just let me know and. Okay. Be well, be healthy. Glad to know that you're two two shots in now. So that's great. And two weeks out of the since the since the the second one. So I think you're fully cooked. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's uh, I think that's a term that uh, that Fauci uses. I'm not sure. Anyway, take good care and great great, great chatting with you. Everybody, remember to uh, check out our Patreon account, get some special, unique content just for you as a patron of FilmWax or Fil- FilmWax Radio, FilmWax TV, the whole thing. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget also go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, however you listen to the show, and leave us a nice review and a rating. You, you can't imagine how much it does help. If you haven't done so by now, and you're listening to the show or watching it on YouTube for free, for God's sake. Just do that little bit of help. And, you know, uh, it's it, it's like currency to a podcaster because their podcasts will turn up in more searches the more people that do write reviews and leave star ratings. So it's a big help. So thank you for that. And uh, keep in touch, whether through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, This segment you are listening to today with Noah is also available 
on our YouTube channel. So very easy to keep in touch and subscribe to various platforms where Film Wax exists. And, and thank you so much for that. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time, Adam Sharptoff, Film Wax Radio. 